0: Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown, amen. Our scripture today is from the second chapter of Acts, uh, starting with verse one. When Pentecost Day arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound from heaven, like the howling of a fierce wind, filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered. They were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native languages. They were surprised and amazed, saying, look, aren't all these people who are speaking Galileans, every one of them? How then can each of us hear them speaking in our native language, Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, as well as residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia? Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the regions of Libya bordering bordering Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the mighty works of God in our own languages. They were all surprised and bewildered. Some asked each other, what does this mean? Others jeered at them saying, how they're full of new wine. Peter stood with the other 11 apostles. He raised his voice and declared, Judeans and everyone living in Jerusalem, know this, listen carefully to my words. These people aren't drunk as you suspect. After all, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Rather, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions, your elders will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders to occur in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be changed into darkness and the moon will be changed into blood before the great and spectacular day of the Lord comes and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: So we come round again to another Pentecost. So I wanna uh, tell you a little bit of a story um, and and I just wanna preface this by saying I know my college roommate doesn't come off so great in this story. Um, She's since repented. I promise. You'll understand. Um, we, when I moved in with uh, Lori, I knew that there were lots of things about us that were different. She was a science major and I was a communications major. Um, she was very outgoing and bouncy and bubbly and I am, um, well, generally not. Um, oh, okay, you're going to have to laugh at the <laughs> jokes. I'm sorry. Mostly, I knew that we did not have the same taste in music. Um, And about halfway through the semester, you know, I I knew going in, we didn't have the same taste of the music, but I had endured more rap albums than I've probably listened to since we lived together in the first three months of that semester. Um, But as we got close to finals, we were in that space of writing lots of papers. And when I write, I listen to jazz. And so she comes home one day to our room and I I have a Charlie Parker album on and it must have been about in the middle of the song and and he is just wailing out and she stops and she listens for a minute and she goes, how can you tolerate that noise? Again, she has repented, it's okay. in that moment she, she kind of taught me something important and that is that sometimes the things that we love aren't the things other people love and that it's really a matter of perspective See, so she had walked in in the middle of that song she had walked into something she was deeply unfamiliar with that was kind of foreign territory had to be thrown into the middle of it it just didn't make any sense for her it just sounded like noise Sometimes I think that a Pentecost story can be a little bit like that. It's the day that it's really easy if you show up to church for the first time or the first time in a long time to look around and like literally feel like you missed the memo on the uniform, <laughs> yeah? It's a story that we, we know well, but if you're stepping in for the first time in the middle, it's a little bit disorienting. We often treat Pentecost as though it is a beginning, right? Some churches will throw birthday parties for the church today. But it's really a story about transition. It's a story about a middle, about a people going from one thing to another. And so I think it's a story with important lessons for us today. Let's be honest, church. We are a church coming up on a middle. Uh, In case you don't know, if you are new with us today, this will be my last sermon at Chapelwood United Methodist Church. I've been here seven and a half years, and so some of us think it's a little bit of an end of an era. If you don't agree, don't tell me. My ego just (laughs) needs it right now. It's fine. Some of you are gonna be really excited on June 18th when I'm not here, and some of you are gonna be really sad. That's the way of Methodism. But whether you're excited or sad, things will be different. Things will change. And anytime something ends, there really is a kind of period of uncertainty. We're gonna see this in chapter two uh, of Acts, and so I wanna set up a little background so that we have good perspective for it. The second chapter of Acts comes right after the ascension, right? It's really quick. So it's Pentecost because it's 50 days after the resurrection. Pentecost 50. My good science majors would be able to do the Greek and Latin here. We have we just spent 50 days after the resurrection. 40 of those, Jesus spent walking around, teaching, coaching his disciples. But then he ascends into heaven on the 40th day. And then there's these 10 days, these almost two weeks. In Scripture, it is literally a page turn from the end of chapter 1 to the start of chapter 2. Scripture gives that uh, all of one verse. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says... When Pentecost Day arrived, they were all together in one place. That's it. That's all the transition you get. Now, for those of you who have endured large life transitions, you know that in that page turn from one thing to another, in those 10 days from the time Jesus left to the time we're talking about today, a lot of things can happen in the midst, can't they? Those 10 days were probably pretty uncertain days. Those are the 10 days that the disciples spent going, oh, who's going to preach now? They were the days when they said, oh, wait, there are only 11 of us and there's supposed to be 12. Who's going to take care of that now? They might have been the days when they thought back and said, wait, Jesus was always the one that made sure there was enough bread and fish to go around. Who's gonna take care of that now? I know that this is a familiar territory for you church because I have had plenty of conversations in the last couple of weeks where I have been asked, who's gonna set up communion or pick the hymns or make sure that our Sunday school class has something? And people have been very sad because my answer has been, I don't know, I'm not going to be here. (laughs) But Peter and Elim and Rhonda are here, and they know. But the reality is that in that midst, while it may seem like such a quick thing in Scripture, every time there is an ending, there is this period of uncertainty, this time when we know what has been, but we don't yet know what will be, And there are so many questions to be answered when suddenly every detail feels really important because we don't know how it will work out. Every ending comes with this sense of uncertainty and yet every time we experience it, it kind of turns our gut all over again. Even in the midst of that uncertainty, It doesn't really help that when we look forward and the new thing actually starts, it doesn't actually answer the uncertainty. In fact, most of the time when we get to the the new thing, it comes with chaos. To say it comes with a little bit of chaos on Pentecost is probably an understatement. Were you listening to that scripture? They are sitting in an upper room, they are nice and quiet, and then there is a gust of wind and all of a sudden their entire world turns over. There is fire burning over their heads, there are 12 guys speaking 12 different languages, and I promise you, these are like fishermen and working class, none of them studied Cretan in school. That was not a thing. As, but yeah, all of a sudden their speaking languages so much that they can't even understand. And they go from being up in that upper room out into the streets and they are so loud and they are proclaiming the story of Christ with such spirit that people think that they are drunk in the middle of the morning. Now my Sunday school class tried to make the argument that there are places where that's appropriate. <laughs> but for most of us, nine o'clock in the morning is not a time to be filled with new wine. It is not a time for chaos. I don't know about you, but before coffee, there needs to be no chaos. (laughs) Every beginning has this moment where the new thing is being born and we have no idea what it is or what it's going to look like. And so it just feels like it's out of control, like it's moving so fast, like we are doing things that we have never been asked to do before. And it can be scary to be in chaos. It can be uncertain. We're not quite sure what we're going to lose. But the great news of the Pentecost story is that the uncertainty and the chaos, they are not without a purpose. See, out of that moment of insanity, of cacophony, the Spirit brings a new purpose for the church. Peter steps forward and he draws upon good words that he learned in his childhood, and he proclaims a future for these people. Did you catch that? The words from Joel? Your young will see visions. Your elders will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy, prophesy to speak truth. Now, my deep biblical scholars in the room might be wondering if Peter paid attention in temple school because in Joel, that last line, and they will prophesy, is not there. Joel ends, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Peter makes an addition. But I think that he makes a good one. I know time is short on Communion Sundays, but permit me this story from the book of Numbers. Now, stop me if you've heard this one. Go back, I'm not there yet. (laughs) Some of you heard this one, because Numbers, I know, is a book you read all the time. (laughs) Moses had been leading the people. For a long time, he'd been leading them on his own. They had been wandering in the wilderness. Now, the Israelite people were very different than us today. And so after things had gotten difficult for a while, they started to complain. <laughs> and so, yeah, thank you. Uh, and so Moses says, I can't deal with all of the people and all that they need on my own. And so he goes to God and he says, I need help. And God says, okay, gather the elders, bring them to the mountain, I will pour out my spirit upon them. And so he does. He gathers up the elders of the tribe and he takes them to the mountain and he, God pours out God's spirit upon them and it's like fire above their heads. And they prophesy in tongues. This is sounding familiar. But you see, there were these two guys, Eldad and Medad. And clearly they were called to be second career pastors because they didn't come to the mountain with the other elders. They stayed in the camp. But God had called them. God had chosen them. And so when God's spirit pours out, it pours out on Eldad and Medad in the camp. And when they start to prophesy, they prophesy in the camp. And it is just way more chaos than some people can deal with. So as Moses and the elders are coming back from the mountain, Joshua, Moses' assistant, runs out to meet him on the road to Tattletale. He comes out and he says, Moses, do you know what Eldad and Medad did? They are prophesying in the camp. And Moses stops and with all calmness says, are you jealous for my sake? If only all the Lord's people were prophets with the Lord placing his spirit on them. That's the CEB, the NRSV says, if only all the Lord's people would prophesy. I think Peter paid a whole lot of attention in temple school. I think he saw the fulfillment not only of Joel, but of Moses' words, the Spirit of God poured out on a church so that all would speak the truth of the Lord and would proclaim it not just in the upper room, not just in Jerusalem, but a church that is prepared to take it to the ends of the earth to tell the truth of what they have seen done in Jesus Christ, to prophesy before all men. This is the great news of Pentecost, that all of that uncertainty they have endured, all of that chaos in the moment, it has a greater purpose, a fulfillment purpose, and it is a purpose that we are still living out today, church. So whether you are in uncertainty or chaos, whether you're nervous about the transition that's happening here or a transition in your own life. If there is a new baby or a new grandbaby, if there is a new job or a retirement or no job at the moment, if you are in that place where you just feel like the world is turned upside down and you don't know what the new beginning is, Pentecost says God is not done with you yet. There are greater things yet to come and the spirit of the Lord goes before you. Church, even in chaos, still the God says, oh, I'm doing something with this. And so it makes me wonder if really perspective isn't an important thing. See, in that moment, that first burst of language, I'm sure it looked like chaos the next few days are gonna look like chaos maybe it's not so much chaos as jazz Maybe it's a melody that has been playing since Moses and since Joel that has run through the disciples at Pentecost that keeps playing out in the church. And sometimes one player steps out, and the next one steps in, and each brings their gifts to bear, each plays their part, but the song continues. It keeps going. Church, we are called to be those saints who step up, and when all the saints go marching in, don't you want to be a part? Don't you want to know that you played your instrument? Don't you want to prophesy your truth as you go forth from this place? That is my prayer for you church as my part comes to an end that greater things lie ahead in yours in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit all god's people said amen, amen. amen.